So days went by, but keyboard warriors did not. Ida was losing her head over this comment. I couldn't help it but to Google the update of the case every day since then and sometimes browse through the comments on Finn's Facebook page. Ugh, toxic people. But there are good ones as well. Mood-wise, Ida was on and off at work, but all this time she kept working to keep herself occupied, I assume. That's the only logical explanation. I thank God for Polly, who's always there with her. There was a couple of times that Ida would text me and tell me that she couldn't take the comments on Facebook and had reply back to shut them off, despite me having to advise her not to. But at the same time, I could fully understand, because in her eyes, it was her brother. It was her sister-in-law. It was her family. From then, I haven't seen or heard from her for about two days because we were both busy. I didn't know what was going on. I sent her texts of motivation a few days before because I was honestly worried about her sanity. From what I know so far, nobody has visited Finn in Malacca and there was no news about whether Gina and Charles' body parts were found. Fast forward to when I finally saw her at work earlier this week and it was already about a week and a half since the case. I got to sit down with her over a casual lunch outside work as she updated me of all the happenings. For almost three to four hours hanging out with her, it was only then that she filled me in from A to Z over the whole details of what transpired as per Finn's confession to her whole family. Mind you, I was joining the dots of the case from what is reported by different sources of media. This was the only one time that I got the whole story from Ida. I would say most of the reports in regards to how Gina and Charles's murder transpired is true. But for the peace of Ida's and Gina's family, if you have read from any sources that Finn escaped from his mum's house here in Singapore, you should know that that is false. Now, before I proceed to correct it according to Ida's recollection, it is important that you know Ida, her mum, let's call her Grace, and her younger sister Esme are the only ones residing in that house. If you followed up with the case, to summarize it all up, this was what was reported. After the murder was committed, Finn chopped the bodies, brought his younger stepson to his mother-in-law's house, distributed the body parts, made his way to Singapore to confess to his family in a remorse state, family asked him to surrender, family immediately reported his case to the nearest police station and he was arrested the following day to be brought back to Malacca. Ida told me that in one of the articles, it was written that Finn ran away after he confessed and she wanted to correct that, not to defend his crime in any way, but to defend what's left of her family's dignity. In truth, on the day that Finn got napped, Grace, Ida and Esme went about their day as per normal to work and school. Like me, they too come from a middle-income family and cannot miss a day of work. When Grace was at work, Finn was at home and texted her. Finn, Mom, I'm sorry, but would it be troubling for you if I was to ask for a little bit of food and a pack of cigarettes after you finish work? I'll pay you back. I haven't ate since yesterday. To which his mom, Grace, replied, Okay, but I'll be back at 4.30. According to Ida, halfway through their day, officers approached Grace and then Esme and held them together for safety reasons. The officers then asked them both where Finn is, to which they answer, at home. It didn't register in their head then that they were never going to see Finn again, or for a long time. Ida was at work. 
When Ida told me this moment of the story, I cried. I cried because despite committing one of the biggest mistakes any human being in their right mind could do, that was his brother. I was so divided. And then I thought about my brothers. And then the face of Finn's late wife and stepson played in my head. And then the face of Ida's mom. What killed me more was I cried even harder when Ida told me if only she could have a little bit more time with him after repeating the crap out of him when he confessed. I don't even want to go into imagining how the deceased family would be feeling right now. Sorry. <clears throat> Moving forward, of course, Ida and family were in contact with the Malaysian and Singaporean officials back and forth. But because investigations were still going on, there was a long roll of news for her last week. Among the news that she got was she and her family are required to head down to one of the offices to state their official statements for the next progress of the case. Not only that, to her shock, she was also freshly informed that the funerals for her sister-in-law Gina and Charles was done. She didn't even get to attend it because the news came in last minute. Imagine her guilt. And finally... It was also confirmed last week that Ida and her family will be able to see Finn before the verdict of the sentence in December. Now that I have told the story, you can't imagine how many times I cried rereading and re-recording the talking points just so I could get this story right. But let's put my feelings aside. Most importantly, the reason why I wanted to tell this story was because I wanted all of us as a society to take a step back and rethink our ways, myself included. We have a problem. In fact, we have so many problems. Murder is a very wrong act and justice will be served accordingly. But who the fuck are we to judge and plonk our personal opinions ever so publicly without being accountable for it? How is it that we have made it that convenient when the intentions are to hurt because someone has hurt someone else? Not you. In no way am I the most religious person and neither am I a perfect human being. But isn't that super hard as well? To bersubahat is a Malay word that means to encourage someone to do something wrong. Freedom of speech is not free. It comes with feelings and repercussions. As humans, we need to be accountable for every single thing we do, be it visible or not. How are we helping the families who are grieving by a self-projection of our fake nobility as if fighting for a right? This incident has taught me to be even more careful in sharing articles about cases or just about anything because now I have seen the actual damage that it has done to the families involved. The takeaway from this is it doesn't matter who you are, a celebrity, a commoner, a friend, media, whoever, we're humans breathing the same goddamn air. None of this that we have right now is ours. We need to be fully aware of the information that we're going to share. We need to start being accountable. Be it an article, a video, a cause, etc. I completely understand that you would want to fight for a right for justice. But I hope you would serve justice to yourself first by being true and fair to know all the layers of the cause that you are fighting for and that you are not based solely on your emotions of the moment. Please don't be a cause of another life being taken. 
For all you know, if Ida, her family, or any one of the deceased family was not strong enough emotionally with the comments that were thrown at them because of your selfish needs of validation as a human being, they might have ended their lives. One of Ida's sisters just had a panic attack due to being overwhelmed from all this happening. What makes you so confident that shit like this won't happen to you? Now... As much as this hasn't been easy for me to relay, I hope we align our thoughts as a society and hope the best for this families and for other families who might have gone through a similar incident. Let's all treat this as a lesson and strive to help each other to be better human beings, to uplift each other. Until the next episode of A Dossier, don't forget to kiss the ones you love and forgive their wrongdoings. It might be the last time we'll get to see them. I love you and I hope you have a good week.